Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Well, uh, we are continuing in our Mission Redemption series today, and we've kind of been uh, going through the book of John and leading up to the events of Jesus's uh, death on the cross and then resurrection. And so uh, the last two weeks, we have kind of spent time talking about the betrayal of Jesus and then the unlawful trial of Jesus. And so we kind of intentionally skipped a couple of verses that we're going to come back to today. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about Peter and kind of his actions while Jesus was being betrayed and while Jesus was on trial. Uh, and the reality is, is that we can get so focused on the story of Jesus and what's going on with him that we can kind of overlook what is happening in the life of Peter. Uh, and it, it's interesting because Peter gets a lot of flack because of his denial of Jesus. And rightfully so. He turned his back on Jesus when Jesus needed him most. But the truth is, is that Peter's story is about so much more than his cowardice. It's about so much more than his failure. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And so our big idea is this, is that God turns our cowardice into triumph. That God turns our failure into victory. And so really, I don't want to focus much on the actual failure of, G, of Peter. Rather, I want to look at interactions that Jesus has with Peter, both before and after his denial, and then ultimately talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe what we kind of understand and what we can take in and apply to our lives can really change our outlook and can change our future. And so uh, this is just such an interesting thing because what I want to start with is start in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. And I want you to listen to this interaction that Jesus has with Peter and the words he speaks over the life of Peter. This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from human being, from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the power of hell will not conquer it. This is such an interesting interaction because Jesus is kind of questioning his disciples and he's asking them, hey, what are people saying about me? Who do people say that I am? And the, the disciples kind of start talking and they're like, well, some are calling you John the Baptist. Uh, some call you this, some call you this. And then Jesus looks right at, right at them and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, who's always the first to speak up, says, you are the Messiah. And because of this, God, Jesus, looks at him and says, you are the one I'm going to build my church upon because of your faithfulness. I want you to think about that. Because Jesus, when he is speaking this truth over the life of Peter, Jesus knows that he is also going to betray him. 
He's also going to turn his back on him. He's also going to deny him three times. But here's the truth. What God says about us is more important than our failure. What God says about you and what God calls you and who we are to be is more important than anything that we can do to fail. So I want you to keep your mind on this idea as we go through this denial of, G- of Jesus. And I want you to have this interaction in the forefront of your mind. So turn with me to, to John chapter 18 and we'll start in verse 8. So this is Jesus. He's, uh, the, the soldiers have officially arrived and they're, they're there to arrest Jesus. And they're asking him, hey, who are you? Are you Jesus the Nazarene? In verse 8, I told you that I am he. Jesus said, or Jesus said, and since I'm the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of these you have given me. And then verse 10, Simon, always the one to take action. Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the father has given me? I love Peter so much because I think he's a lot like us. We want to do the right thing. We want to step up and act in boldness and act in strength in moments of pressure. But in this moment, Peter acts out of fear. Because you have to realize he knows why the soldiers are there. Because Jesus has just previously told his disciples, look guys, I am about to die. And so what does Peter do? He steps up. He takes action. He's trying to save Jesus. But he operates out of fear. And he operates out of his own will and not in the will of Jesus. So he takes action. He wanted to do the right thing. Let's uh, skip a little bit to verse 15 and we're gonna read about his denials now. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another disciple. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest and he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to a woman watching in the gate and she let Peter in. Verse 17, the woman asked Peter, you're not one of this man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. And because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had a charcoal fire and they stood around it, warming themselves. And Peter stood with them, warming himself. So wait a minute. The same Peter that just cut off a guy's ear to try to save Jesus is now denying Jesus to just this random woman that's just watching the gate. It's so interesting that Peter steps up in moments of boldness and then kind of shrinks in this other moment of boldness. And it's interesting because I want you to think about this. Peter is standing here being questioned, are you a disciple of Jesus? While Jesus is across the courtyard being 
questioned by the high priest. So Peter can see Jesus being questioned. This is his moment to step in and say, yes, I'm a follower of him and I will die next to him. But that's not what he does. He shrinks in fear. And I can't imagine the thoughts going through Peter's mind. He's probably replaying events in his head of Jesus calling him the rock and probably a moment of swelling pride that Peter had. And then shortly after that, Jesus says, hey, you were going to deny me three times. No, Jesus, I would never do that. I would never turn my back on you. I'm with you till the end. And then to the moment in the garden where he just slashed off a man's ear. And then he's in this moment of intense pressure. And this woman is saying, hey, do you follow that guy? And he said, no. So Peter's strength began to crumble as the pressure built. And he acts out of fear. And he acts out of cowardice. Let's jump to verse 25. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire, warming himself, they asked him again, you're not one of the man's disciples or one of his disciples, are you? He denied it saying, no, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it and immediately a rooster crowed. So Peter, in moments of pressure, he crumbles. This isn't the scene before where Jesus says, hey, you're going to deny me. And Peter says, no. In a moment where things were going great, this is a moment of pressure and his strength crumbles. The facade of who he is crumbles. A man that was once called or going to be the rock of which the church of Christ, the church of God would be built upon fails. And he denies Jesus three times. So what happened? How did Peter go from the rock to denying Jesus three times? And what can we learn from this interaction? I believe that Peter was operating out of his own strength and that strength simply ran out. He was operating out of what Jesus had told him and what who he would be and not operating out of the power of God. So you have to understand something. We have the whole story of Jesus. In front of you right now or on your phone, you have the whole story of Jesus, his virgin birth, his ministry, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But Peter, in this moment of pressure, may be in the back of his mind saying, is what Jesus has been saying for the past three years true? And in his own strength, maybe he didn't fully believe it. Maybe he, he said, you know what, this is what Jesus has been saying, but is he really worth following? I don't know what's going through Peter's head, but I do know that his strength and his boldness and his willingness to step up and take action when no one else would, wasted away. But the most amazing thing is, our story doesn't end there. 
because Jesus is going to restore Peter back to being the rock. And then more importantly, he's going to send the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to John chapter 21. And this is this really powerful scene where Jesus has conquered sin. He's conquered death. And he's, he's literally on the shoreline of this. Uh, and the fishermen, all the disciples are out on the boat fishing. And someone looks and says, hey, that's Jesus. That's the Lord. And Peter literally jumps out of the boat and swims the shore to meet Jesus. And they have breakfast together. And then there's this powerful scene in chapter 21, verse 15, where the rest of the disciples go back to doing their own thing. And Jesus restores Peter. Follow with me. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And maybe he's, he's pointing to the other disciples that are back fishing. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? love me. Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. This is such a powerful interaction because it shows us that Jesus never gave up on Peter. Jesus never gave up on Peter. Jesus knew that Peter was deny him. He knew that he was going to restore him. So Jesus did exactly what he set out to do. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's about to ascend back to heaven, but he stops that whole narrative and he goes and finds Peter and he restores him to be the rock. I don't want you to miss the importance of this interaction because it sets up everything that is what it means to be a Christ follower. That even when we fail, even when we mess up, there's still a plan. Because the truth is, is even when we turn our backs on God, he will never turn his back on us. Even when we fail, even when we mess up, even when we say, God, I'm never gonna do this again. And two days later, we find ourselves in the same old place, full of shame, saying, God, will you please restore me? God is there waiting to restore us. You can turn to the book of Acts chapter two and there's something that I've been kind of alluding to this whole time, this idea of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to end with reading Acts, 20, Acts chapter two because I believe that the sending of the Holy Spirit is what changes everything changes everything in the life of Peter and it changes everything in our lives. Because Peter, in a moment of pressure, he's operating out of his own power and that only leads to cowardice. Why? 
because he hasn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. So in Acts chapter 2, to kind of set the scene, it starts with uh, this, there's a loud roar from heaven and then flaming tongues start bouncing around and resting on people's heads. And I don't even know what, like I'm trying to picture and imagine that and I just can't get there. Like bouncing flaming tongues resting on people's heads and then everyone starts speaking in each other's languages and everyone there of different nationalities, different backgrounds, different languages can perfectly understand and hear what everyone is saying. In this moment, the helper the one that Jesus has been talking to with his disciples and the Old Testament prophesies towards the Holy Spirit, the Emmanuel, the God with us comes and rests and falls and fills the believers. But what happens next is even more amazing and it shows the incredible power and graciousness of our Lord. Because Peter the coward Peter, the denier, Peter, the rock is going to step up and he's going to begin to tell everyone about Jesus and how they can be saved because God turns our fear and failure into triumph. God takes the thing that we're the most ashamed about and he uses it for his glory. So turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 39. And, and what's happened here in the, the chapter, chapter 2 of Acts is Peter has just been preaching. He's been standing up. He's been talking all about Jesus. And then there's this incredible interaction where the audience finally responds to what Peter has been saying. And it says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? What should we do with this truth that we have heard? What do we do to accept this truth? And then Peter, the denier, the rock replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the Holy Spirit. The incredible scene that all of them just witnessed, they could be a part of, and that Holy Spirit could fill them. It says, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Verse 40, this is so amazing. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. And typically that would mean 3,000 men in biblical times. So it could be uh, women, children, could be way higher than that. But this is so incredible. Now that we have this whole narrative of Peter, we can see that Jesus was at work in his life the whole time. Peter didn't know what was going on. Peter was just stepping out in boldness. Peter was reacting to pressure. But Jesus knew 
exactly what was going on when he called him the rock. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. He knew that he was going to restore Peter. He knew that Peter was going to be the one to step up on the day of Pentecost and preach the truth of Jesus Christ, of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And he knew that Peter was going to set the foundation of the church that day. This is such a powerful interaction. God has a purpose for your failure. God wants to use your failure, whatever it is, whatever sin that you have in your life, whatever heartache or shame that you have in your life, God wants to use that for his glory. He wants to turn your failure into triumph. So what do I want you to do with this message today? I believe it really comes down to two key things that I want you to know and walk out of here today. And the first is, is that I want you to see yourself the way that God sees you. I want you, when you look in the mirror, not to see your shame, not to see your guilt, not to see the things that you're the most embarrassed about. And I want you to see how God sees you. Because when we open up his word, God calls you a child of the most high God. God calls you a conqueror. God calls you victorious. But so often when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we only see shame. We only see guilt. So I want you to see yourself the way that God sees you. Because we often focus so much on our shame that we can almost become frozen in our faith. We become stagnant and we stop. And we no longer become useful for the kingdom. But when you see yourself as a conqueror, when you see yourself as victorious, the narrative changes completely. And you move forward and you say, you know what? Yes, I am a sinner. Thank you for the cross. Yes, I am a failure. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes me clean. Look at my life. You know that I'm a screw up. If God can use a screw up like me, he can use you and he can change your life just like he changed mine. The second, we have to realize that our power comes from the Holy Spirit. Not from your own strength and what you can handle and what you can manage because that will run out. But from the power of the Holy Spirit the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you, Christ follower. And for those of you that are not Christ followers yet, God has something so powerful in store for your life, something so much better than what this world offers, the temporary satisfaction. He has eternal satisfaction for your soul. And he wants to fill you with that Emmanuel, that God with us. And he wants to change your life. God has so much more for us, but we will never get there until we relinquish the control of our lives to him. Daily, multiple times a day. Say, God, 
this life is not mine, this life is yours. And we come to God with open hands and say, I give it all to you. Forgive me when I hold back on and I pull back. Because until we get there, we may never see the triumph God has in store for us. So when the pressure is on and you find yourself losing strength, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if not, we will be cowards every time. We will be cowards every time and we'll never see what God has in store for us. So I want to leave you all with two next step challenges that I hope will uh, help you and also help me make this uh, sermon make sense and take action in my life. And the first is a question. A question that you and only you can answer. Am I operating out of my power or the power of the Holy Spirit? Like I said just a second ago, this is a question that we have to answer every single day. It's not a one-time question. It's not a, well, Jeff said this message and I asked that question on my way home and so I'm good now. No, it is a question we ask ourselves daily, multiple times a day. When stuff like doesn't go the way we want it to, when we find ourselves kind of grabbing back the reins of our lives, when stuff kind of gets out of our control and it kind of gets scary and our strength is kind of like, well, I don't know what God has in store for me or something. I'm going to kind of hold on a little bit of the reins and you know what, God, I don't think, I I don't really trust you with this. You can take all this stuff, but this right here, I'm going to hold on to in those moments. Am I operating out of my power or the power of the one that raised Jesus from the dead? I don't know about you guys, but one of those does not add up. The power that raised Jesus from the dead or Jeff Williams own strength. One of them is far inferior. But so often, we hold on and we don't let go. Number two, stop holding on to your failure and give it over to God. Because just like Jesus restored Peter, he wants to restore you. Whatever you're holding on to, whatever shame, whatever guilt, whatever failure, whatever thing that you just won't let anyone know is there and you put on all this big show to keep everyone from the truth about you, lay that thing at the feet of Jesus. The only one that was ever meant to carry the burden. Not you. Because you want to know what? You can't. And Jesus knew that, so he sent his son to die for that. Lay your shame at the foot of the cross and let his blood wash you whiter than snow. Because God wants to take your fear. He wants to take your cowardice. He wants to take your failure, the deepest, darkest thing about you that no one knows. And he wants to turn that into triumph through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we just so desperately need you. God, we need you more than we will ever know. I pray as we walk out of here today, I pray as we shut our laptops for those on the stream, I I pray that we would get real with you and begin to open up our hands and relinquish 
our lives back to you. We love you, God, and we need your Holy Spirit to come alive in us. Forgive us of the times that we think we're the ones in control. We need you and we pray these things in your son's name.